Once upon a time, there were three little spoilerites who went to the police academy. Michael Watanabe, Mark Harris, and Melanie Naselrod. Now they work for me. My name is Matthew. The Major Spoilers podcast goes out to them. Weekend type edition, that is. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Break it down. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad that you could join us on your uh, big holiday weekend. Hopefully, you're what all enjoying it. You're being space. You're you're being safe in space, or wherever that you may be. Spayed and neutered. What? <laughs> because you know, <laughs> Dingo and the baby. <laughs> wow, ninety-seven X, bang! The future of rock and roll. <laughs> I probably have something like that here in this soundboard somewhere. <laughs> oh no, I have that. I have that. I have that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what? A bunch of little kids laughing. <laughs> uh, uh, the hand sure. grenade was that. That yeah. sounds an awful lot like a public men's room on DeBerto. <laughs> <laughs> That's Matthew's new laugh track right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Your mother's a laugh track. <laughs> Oh, we need to talk Stop about it. some stuff. What? What's wrong with you and chickens? Get those chickens out of my living room. Uh, why Why don't you like chickens? I don't dislike chickens. I don't want chickens in my living room. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, um, speaking of animals, small animals, I hear Speedy Gonzalez is back. He is. And it fascinates me. Why is that? Because I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but there was a while, and obviously there are some cartoons in the year 2011 that they no longer air. There right. are a lot of old cartoons with, like, blackface gags. Oh, yeah. War-era cartoons with, you know, terrible, terrible racist, you know, subhuman uh, Asian Japanese characters. Right. But Speedy Gonzalez, for like six or seven years, was verboten by Time Warner and the Cartoon Network because, I guess, in theory, he... He too was embarrassing and racist, but this no, new Looney Tunes series. Hey, shut your face! He always <laughs> won. This was the thing. He always got it over on Daffy. But for a while, Speedy was never seen. And the one time that they aired Speedy cartoons was like at midnight on a Sunday, and it, it aired with you know a big disclaimer at the front that said, "Obviously, in these politically correct times, we do not believe that these portrayals are blah blah blah." But now Speedy Gonzalez is a major player in this new Looney Tunes series, and I'm kind of fascinated at how the whole thing's working. Rodrigo, what's wrong with Speedy Gonzalez? Or what's right with Speedy Gonzalez? Um, yeah, Speedy Gonzalez is is a really interesting case because uh, as I didn't know that Speedy Gonzalez was racist until I got to the United States. You know, in Mexico... Everybody loves Speedy Gonzalez. And it's 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 weird because, you know, from the standpoint of Americans, like you if you watch Speedy Gonzalez as an American, it's like, oh, well, this is what Americans think of Mexico. They just right. think it's all like Adobe huts and that everybody wears ridiculous hats right. and, and all this other stuff. Um but in Mexico watching Speedy Gonzalez, it was just you know, it's like this is He's a mouse from a particular part of Mexico mm-hmm. where they do still have that stuff going on, you know, and, and like, it's just a funny mouse, like, you know, and he wears a crazy sombrero, which is funny. You know, I mean, even to Mexicans, once the sombrero gets pa- past a certain size, it's pretty funny. I mean, granted, the, the threshold is larger than that of Americans. So does it also go the opposite way? So the smaller the sombrero gets, it also gets funnier, too? 
Yes, there is a there is a sombrero uh sort of a, a sombrero an, ratio to head. A sombrero <laughs> event horizon where yep. it becomes so funny. Yep, that's right. And it actually expands you know, to cover the whole universe and then contracts again. That's that's also the the visual gag with Slowpoke Rodriguez, isn't it? He has a little tiny yes. sombrero. Yes. Yep. Yes. Whereas but he has a gigantic sombrero. He also has a gun. <laughs> Slowpoke Rodriguez pack a gun. So everybody loves Speedy in, in Mexico, but then you come to America, and all of a sudden you realize, hey, wait a minute. Well, there's a moment where. When, especially if you see the very first Speedy Gonzalez short, he doesn't have his look. He's like really huge teeth and he's got like this bowl haircut. And, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, bordering on the, the ridiculous, grotesque Japanese, uh, things that you used to see during wartime cartoons. Right. But right. if, to me, if you look at Speedy, I think the thing you have to remember is he wins. Speedy's most notable shorts for me are always the ones where he's teamed up with Daffy Duck. They're like, I want to say they're late Chuck Jones shorts where he and Daffy Duck are running around and Daffy's trying to get the better of him, but he always wins. And right. He runs around, andale, andale, arriba, arriba. You like the, the Daffy Duck? I knew for like you, you like Daffy Duck better than Sylvester Stallone, uh, not Sylvester Stallone, Sylvester the Cat? Yes, Sylvester I like Stallone. Daffy but much better than <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. I, I don't care for Sylvester because I feel like Sylvester is, well, partly because when I was a kid, I have a problem with voices. Voices bothered me. So it always bothered me that Casey Kasem was the voice of Mark on uh, Battle of the Planets, and I could recognize it. Mm -hmm. To me, my problem with Sylvester is that Sylvester is just Daffy Duck slowed down. Right. The Sylvester voice and the Daffy Duck voice are the same voice with the same speech impediment run at different speeds. And I didn't like Sylvester because Sylvester seemed to me just kind of a warmed over Daffy Duck. And then when he got his kid's sidekick, he was kind of like a warmed over version of Spike from the mm-hmm. Tom and Jerry cartoons. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Doggy Daddy with a, that's my, that's my right, boy. Right, right, right. So, but I always kind of liked Speedy simply because, you know, Speedy was, first of all, he had a superpower. Mm-hmm. Speedy was smart. He was fun. And, you know, the, the gags that popped up here and there, like Slowpoke Rodriguez, he pack a gun. Yeah. I can see where if you are if you, if you're a native speaker of Spanish and you hear me as you know you know ultimate uh, gordo, gordo gringo if you will making fun of the accents of people who you know speak Spanish primarily I can see where that would be offensive but to me it always seemed a little odd that Speedy was just banned that you know we don't show Speedy guns Speedy who what no there there were no mice you you're obviously thinking of Tom and Jerry that's on on the other side of our room here <laughs> you know Hanna Barbera now owned by well everybody pretty much now owned by Warner Brothers it just seemed disingenuous to try and pretend that this character no longer existed right I never thought you know I never thought that he was terrifically offensive. But I was thinking today at work when I was going through, I had a list of people who needed to be called to tell them, okay, this is your last chance to get your money from us. And like 10 out of the 15 people on the list, you know, the, the names were like Perez and Gonzalez. And I handed out this list to my agents and they're like, uh, what do we do if they speak Spanish? <laughs> like, why would they speak Spanish? Well, last name is Gonzalez. Okay. Why would they speak Spanish? They're like, uh, so I'm like, the assumption that someone with a Spanish last name wouldn't speak English kind of bothered me. But then again, if you, you know, if you go into it and you say, if I were a person of Spanish descent and I saw, I looked at Speedy Gonzalez, would I be offended? Could I be offended? And the answer to me is, yeah, I, I probably would. You know, if, if like, if he was Mort Goldman running around, right. You know, it's, it's kind of the same sort of thing. I laugh at Mort Goldman. I'm sure you laugh at, you know, balding fat men somewhere. <laughs> Every morning when you I like look in the mirror. Right? Every morning when I look yeah. in the mirror. Well, yeah, you mean Homer Simpson? Exactly. Oh! <laughs> Homer, now, Homer Simpson is nothing like Stephen. Homer Simpson has a wife who's way out of his league and two kids. And he has, you know, a crap job that he doesn't like. And a boss who's, you know, kind of quintessentially evil. And, oh, crap. <laughs> I think I'm anyway. So, uh, Speedy Gonzalez, is he offensive? 
I don't know. I, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to say because whatever I say is going to say, well, you're just a cracker. What do you know? And it's just like, it doesn't offend me. I think it's all funny. I think making but fun. That's, but that's my response to everything you say. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> if I've been watching him on this show, he's just under his mouth. Like, Damn cracker. It doesn't matter what you say, cracker. It, uh, you know, I always thought that Speedy Gonzalez was a funny character. I never thought of him as a bad stereotype, and I never looked at uh, at Mexicans and said, oh, hey, Speedy Gonzalez, get over here, or Slowpoke, Rodriguez, get over. I never liked that. Just like whenever I watch. I think, I think that. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's just like, uh, you know, I, I don't understand these parents. I mean, my son cracks up. You know, they, uh, was it Boom or I forget who is showing the Tom and Jerry stuff now uh, where they actually are That's, showing some uh, of the good violence stuff, you know, where it's fr- frying uh-huh. paste, frying pan to the face kind of stuff. And my son laughs. I mean, he just sits there and just rolls on the floor with laughter. I mean, it's genuine kid glee. He thinks that's so funny. And yet at the uh-huh. same time, he knows that he's not going to hit anybody in the face with a frying pan. But yet you've got these people that are like, we have got to scrub clean anything that might be offensive to anyone. We can no longer show the Three Stooges. We cannot show Tom and Jerry. Or we cannot show Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> because it might offend someone. And I just, I'm not, you know, I, I don't buy into that. I mean, maybe some people, you know, find it offensive. But I, I certainly don't. And I don't find any of this stuff where we have to PC clean up. Beloved characters like Tom and Jerry or Speedy Gonzalez, um, I don't see that as a good thing. I think that is almost as offensive as uh, trying to, uh, you know, as what some people might see the original characters as. I think that Speedy Gonzalez is a good example of definitely taking that too far, and not even, not, not, not even, uh, not, not necessarily in the way that you might think of of taking that PC mentality too far, because. Speedy Gonzalez, what is Mexican about Speedy Gonzalez? His accent and his hat, right? Yeah. Right. Does Speedy Gonzalez have any Mexican habits? No. no. Well, I mean, what's a Mexican In fact, habit? Speedy Gonzalez behaves more like a mouse than he does like a Mexican. You know, right. he is constantly being chased by cats and stealing cheese, right? Or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. You know, Saving and, his and village. Having zany adventures like a cartoon. It's not, it's not like the. Like, there's nothing about Speedy Gonzalez that is trying to give somebody a feel for what it is like to be a, to be Mexican or to interact with someone who's Mexican. Well, but is it is it? And, I wonder is it Speedy Gonzalez that people had a problem with, or is it the Slowpoke Rodriguez and the others that kind of are derogatory towards well, Mexicans? Are they though? I, I mean, don't even think Slowpoke is that derogatory. I mean, yes, he has a gun, but you know, carrying a gun it, this this is not something that you know. Did you hear about that, Rodrigo? Don't pull out your gun, right? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, it's yeah. that's not something that I immediately think. But to me, this is the ridiculousness of it. Do you guys remember Hong Kong Fui? Oh yeah, yes. Voice voiced by Scatman Crothers. Yeah, he was. Scatman Crothers was an African American. Hong Kong Fui had brown fur. Is Hong Kong Fui offensive because he's a brown-furred dog voiced by a black man? Does that make him somehow racist? Or ask yourself this, if he is a brown-furred dog voiced by a black man, who is essentially then, by extension, an African-American dog, is it offensive for him to learn Eastern martial arts and do, you know, the the mockery of the the Chinese way of, of martial arts? I don't know. I think that it's definitely something where, you know, you kind of have to think about it to ever be offended, but it's not necessarily bad to think about, you know, if, especially if you're Warner Brothers, is this offensive to people? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can understand that, but I it's think- just like, it's just to totally shelf the character for however many years, five years, 10 years, whatever it was, and try to deny that the character yeah. existed is crazy disingenuous at best yeah so uh dorito bandito rodrigo (laughs) okay you can keep him on the show (laughs) the the frito bandito probably 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 not okay uh you know i i still never heard you know a couple of years ago there was word that um there was going to be a speedy gonzalez uh uh movie 
but I oh. don't know what ever happened to that. Maybe it was still during that period of we shall not talk about Speedy Gonzalez. There is no Speedy Gonzalez. We well, have no. Honestly, master. it's it's funny because I weirdly I thought that that was kind of racist and that. They were like, oh, a Speedy Gonzalez movie. Let's get George Lopez to voice him. I was like, <laughs> he doesn't sound anything like Speedy Gonzalez. Why yeah. do you want George Lopez to voice him? He's I would rather have Phil Lamar voice Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> he Phil can Lamar, probably fake it. Yeah, Phil Lamar to me sounds more like Speedy. And honestly, if you listen to the voices, if you believe any of the, oh, well, he didn't sound like he was Mexican. I think Phil Lamar sounds more like what it is that my brain says someone who is Mexican sounds like than George Lopez does. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know if that says something about my particular brain or you honestly, know. you want to look at you want to look at someone who very uh, genuinely follows in Speedy Gonzalez's footsteps. Watch Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Mm. Um, Eduardo is this giant purple furry monster mm -hmm. who just happens to have a ridiculous Mexican accent, right? Um, and says a lot of poorly translated Spanish. <laughs> um, but but that's okay, because he's funny, and it's never like, oh, this monster is a Mexican, you know? <laughs> it's just a thing. That's just what he talks like. Just like there's a big, red, super tall monster who is clearly black. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. His name is Wilt. <laughs> I've seen that show a couple of times. It's pretty good. It is. I actually just got the uh, I got the first season for my birthday. Um, it's weird how many Mr. Harriman episodes there were, but you know you got to go with what's strongest, I guess. Okay. Uh, go into the gray uh, to the uh, mailbag here. Chris writes in on last weekend's podcast, probably a couple of weekends ago. A listener submitted a question yep. about milestone events heralding the different ages of comic books. Matthew mentioned his belief that the beginning of the Bronze Age was signified by the Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill work on Green Arrow, a correlation I've heard before, and one that makes sense according to the little I know. But I was curious, why do the major events seem to generally be DC-centric? Superman in Action Comics, Barry Allen in The Flash, Speedy on Drugs, so on and so forth. Is this because DC tends to do more significant shifts earlier than Marvel? I know that some... That some link the start of the Bronze Age to Stan Lee thumping his thumbing his nose at the the Comic Code Authority. Uh, something has also yeah. been mentioned in previous podcasts. But is that just a, a token for Marvel? I'm curious as to what you guys think on the subject. Thank you, Chris. Well, first question: <clears throat> Why yes. do the major events seem to be DC centric? I don't think it has a thing to do with Marvel versus DC. You know, oh, Rodrigo likes Marvel and Steve likes DC. Here's what it really has to do with. Put in perspective, in the golden age of publishing, Marvel was a minor fly-by-night publisher. Marvel was whatever Marty Goodman could get to the stands to make a buck. Right. Marvel has huge gaps in its publishing history. DC is the only publisher to continuously put out books from the golden age contiguously to today. DC is the keystone of this because DC is, well, all-American publishing, whatever you want to call it, is where Superman started. The Superman is the first superhero that kicks off the Golden Age. Mm -hmm. The Silver Age begins when DC, as the biggest publisher, puts a foot in the water and tries to bring back large-scale uh, superhero comics. A lot of comics came out with superheroes even during that 1949 to 1954 lacuna. Uh, there was the Avenger, who has no resemblance to the Avengers today. There was, you know, Ms. Mask. There were characters who were constantly published. DC kicked off the Silver Age when Julie Schwartz said, hey, maybe we should bring back the Flash. So DC was there. At that point, there really wasn't a Marvel per se. Right, Marvel when, almost I mean, Marvel comes out after in what? that. 68 or something? 61. 61, okay. 61. So like six years later, Marvel is a huge part of the Silver Age. And many Marvel issues are key, unequivocal Silver Age moments. The reason I don't say that the Stan Lee drug issues are the start of the Bronze Age is that they came out like a year after Denny O'Neill started his run on Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Denny and um, Neil Adams were on Green Lantern in mid to late, depending on whether you believe the covers or not, mid to late 1970, whereas the Harry freaks out on what may be heroin story was 1971. 
So for me, you can easily make the point, and I would, you know, not argue with you that the the Harry on heroin stories are a very strong contender for the start of the Bronze Age. But for me, those are at least informed by those earlier Denny O'Neill stories. And I want to say, I'd have to go look for sure, I want to say that Speedy on heroin and Harry Osborn freaking out on heroin, I think Speedy came first, but just barely. Marvel Comics, as we know it today, exists because of the return of Barry Allen, or I guess the return of The Flash, the debut of Barry Allen in 1954. Whereas you could easily say that the Bronze Age ended with Secret Wars in 1980-something. If you, I mean, it depends on how you define it. For me, the Silver Age ended with the actual end of the Silver Age, and Crisis on Infinite Earths was a conscious effort to say, you know that Silver Age crap you know us for? Yeah, we're not doing that anymore. That's done. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the Man of Tomorrow that we reviewed on Wednesday's show. Whereas, if you say that Secret Wars is the end of the Bronze Age and the beginning of the age, some people are actually calling it the Copper Age, where the books yeah. become, you know, commodities. Secret Wars is one of those first books that was actually written as a commodity. It was written to tie into the toys specifically. Mm. And it was such that when they got behind, they actually had to bring in guests guest creators on a 12 issue limited series because contractually for the toys, that book had to come out on time. That's why Bob Layton all of a sudden kicks in for two issues in the middle of that series. And then we come back to Zach and shooter. So I I don't, I don't think that it has so much to do with Marvel. Yes, sir. Well, I'm wondering, do we have an age or can we define an age or maybe this was going on for a (laughs) long time where you start to have mega arcs, mega stories. I mean, certainly Crisis on Infinite Earths is one of these mega stories, and we have some stories, both from Marvel and DC and other publishers, that might have been two or three issues. But mm. at what point, is it the modern age, the, you know, is it the Bronze Age, Copper Age, whatever, when we start to see these the mega event, age. the mega event story unfold or appear? Those, I would say those start with Secret Wars in 82. So, I mean, if you're talking about the modern age, the copper age, whatever, some people call it the tinfoil age. I would say that, you know, that might be a decent starting point. One of the things about comic book ages that you'll find is there isn't a lot of, you know, homogeny in it. Other than most people say the golden age starts with action one. Mm -hmm. There are still people who say no. The Golden Age started before that, you know, or the Golden Age starts here with, I don't know, adventure number one or detective number one. There are people who make arguments either way. And because, you know, we're dealing with a very nebulous concept, an age or an era, there are going to be things that are late or early. Mm -hmm. For me, Secret Wars is, even if you say the Bronze Age starts after Secret Wars with Crisis, Secret Wars is still an artifact of that copper age, the modern age, if you will, because secret wars was put together as creator. You know, the creators were part of the selling point. It was about the event. The characters were in the event, but the event is what we were selling. The toys are what we were selling. Right. You know, it's all about the tie-ins and you know, the, the movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds. So secret wars is the first time that we see a mega event. Well, I mean, because there's the first you know, one that we I'm see aware crossovers of. before. We see That's crossovers that. before. You know, we see Spider Man and the Fantastic Four, Batman, Superman, all teaming <clears> up. But I'm trying to find out when does the company take a stand? We're going to create a mega event that may or may not spin off into all the individual titles. Certainly, there have been events where it doesn't spin off into every title, uh, but have been big, huge <laughs> uh, story arc events. Uh, and but then we have mm-hmm. things like Final Crisis and Secret Wars and all these things where they do have tendrils into everything. The first time that I know of this happening would have been nineteen seventy, right around eighty one, seventy nine, eighty two. Uh, Marvel Superheroes Contest of Champions. Okay, what was which that about? Predates Secret Wars. Uh, Contest of Champions is very much like Secret Wars. Uh, the Grandmaster gathers all the superheroes of Earth, and he battles against the Collector. 
and they use the superheroes as their pawns in this game. Now, originally, Contest of Champions was created as Marvel superheroes at the Summer Olympics. But if you recall, the 1980 Summer Olympics are the year that it was held, yeah. I believe, in the Soviet Union, yeah, and America that. actually boycotted the 1980 Summer Olympics. So yep. they also boycotted Marvel's comic book adaptation. And what happens in that story is we see a bunch of new characters, an attempt to nationalize the Marvel Universe. There's uh, Blitzkrieg from Germany, and there's uh, Shamrock from Ireland, and Speedy Gonzalez from Mexico, <laughs> and uh, Frenchy McFrench, I believe was his name. <laughs> oh, Frenchy he talked like this. <laughs> and there was an Australian guy named Talisman. Uh, I thought it was and, a girl you know, named we Barbie. Saw a lot of, we saw a lot of... Uh, Captain Britain, we saw a lot of uh, Black Panther. We saw the Arabian Knight, <laughs> who, by the way, this is awesome. Let's talk for just a moment about the Arabian Knight, if I may digress. Sure. The Arabian Knight calls himself the Arabian Knight, right? Okay. He has a scimitar, which is not an Arabian weapon. He, he He's on a flying carpet, and he himself is Egyptian. Thank you. That, to me, is racially offensive. Speedy mm. Gonzalez, not so much so. But you took all these characters and they had a fight. And what's really fascinating, if you've ever read Contest of Champions, the Grandmaster has a group and the Collector has a group, right? Or yeah, Death, right. rather, has a group. They're trying to resurrect the Collector. Well, when they wrote the book, they screwed up. It was supposed to be two and two, but based on whose teams won, it actually was three and one. Death mm. actually won. It was it was kind of hysterical to me. They they actually misread who was on what team, and right. they're like, "Oh, well, he won," and it, it turns out that it was actually a tie. So uh -huh. they had they each had two wins. It was a tie, but they still said that the grandmaster won three to one. It was ridiculous, but neither here than there. To me, I believe that was the first really. You know, universal crossover thing. Sure. So, Secret Wars and uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. <gasps> we get into um, we get into Zero Hour. We have uh, Invasion. We have. It just seems like at some point every year it became mm -hmm. a big event. And usually for DC, it was summertime. Oh, yeah. It was summertime was the big event where we could introduce new characters, and instead of pulling it into individual issues, it would the spill into prince. the annual. It would spill into the <clears throat> no, issues. the French prince. <laughs> he was from France. Part of that diversification uh, that was going on. Uh, um, I have come to distract you with this outrageous accent by the power of Maurice Chevalier. <laughs> you know what I liked about the DC big big events is they would take place over the summer during the annuals, <laughs> and they, you know, they may have one of those characters spill into another title here or there down the road, but for the most part, it was kind of contained. Uh, into that well, event. DC, going back to 1960, they had the, the summer crossover, the JLA-JSA crossover. Right. And if you'll recall, those crossovers started with Earth 1 and Earth 2, and right. then they invented Earth 3. And then, you know, they brought back the quality heroes from Earth X, and they brought back Shazam and the, you know, the heroes from Fawcett Comics, and Eventually, it came to a point where the Justice League and the Justice Society would team up and find another company's characters every single summer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, <clears throat> you could take you could take an extension and call those, you know, those crossovers. And really, the first one of those, Crisis on Earth One and Crisis on Earth Two, mm -hmm. created and informed Crisis on Infinite Earths twenty five years later. Well, it seems like at some point we moved from these little self-contained <coughs> events to now we have these mega events. Uh, the, uh, the Sinestro War spawns Blackest Night, which spawns Brightest Day, which leads us into, you know, the hunt for the Swamp Thing, which somehow is going to be disrupted by Flashpoint, which at some point is going to lead to this thing. And we've talked about this before, and I know it's a frustration with you, Matthew, is that in order to understand all the intricacies of Secret Invasion, you have to read 50 bazillion books across all the Marvel right. Universe. It's not so much that you can't read comics without reading Secret Invasion. 
or that you can't read, you know, you can't read stuff without reading the secret invasion because they all tie into the secret invasion or, right. you know, whatever the heck that last, what was the last one? Dark rain? Chocolate Black, rain? Blackest night? <clears throat> no, I'm talking oh, about for Marvel. Marvel. But I mean, well, I don't know. I don't read Marvel. That, that Fear itself. That's the event-driven storytelling yeah. for me really comes out of Crisis on Infinite Earths because it. Whoop! We lost Matthew. Back to the Silver Age. They've there we go. No, you didn't. No, you were gone for a few minutes. They'd done it before. No, Rod- I wasn't. Rodrigo, I, do you have a do you have a favorite uh, do you have a favorite mega event at a publisher? Um. I guess if we're counting Secret Wars, it's probably that. Um, wait, Secret War. Which, by the way, brings another... Uh, no, it was Secret Wars. The first one was Secret Wars. Which brings out another thing that I absolutely hate about these events, which is that they all try to, not necessarily within the story, but title-wise, tie them into each other. So mm-hmm. it used to, it used to be that you could say, oh, this is post-crisis stuff, right? meaning post-Crisis on Infinite Earths, even though there were, you know, other stories with the title Crisis in them. But the big one was Crisis on Infinite Earths. But then, not just a new crisis, but an infinite crisis, and that neither the Mm -hmm. first nor the second word were usable to tell them apart. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, Marvel launched, I think, a smaller level event that was Secret War without Mm -hmm. the S, which is obnoxious. Um... So I don't really have a, a huge company-wide event that I really like because they tend to be... Uh, uh, would you count Age of Apocalypse even though only the Xbox yes. got pulled into yeah, that? That would okay. be a big Then I like Age of deal. Apocalypse. Justin, um, Justin wrote in. But I think, part, I think part of the reason why I do like Age of Apocalypse is because it only pertains to the X-Men. You know, like I don't, I wouldn't mind reading a, a company wide event in which Ghost Rider, Invisible Woman, Iron Fist, and the Juggernaut all went on some cool adventures and in all of their titles had the banner, as long as it didn't dip into Spider Man. Is Age of Apocalypse something we should review in the future? Yeah, I think so. If yeah. for nothing else, it, it'll be a pretty good uh, fight between Matthew and me. the reason that this kind of transitioned into this is justin wrote in and says i'm reading through chaos war and the one shots that go along with it are brutal to read with fear itself and flashpoint just starting are are any of you guys going to be starting this and how soon will you pull it how soon will you pull it from your pull list if it doesn't live up are there any major events in comics that have been done well that comic readers should pay attention to you know to be honest well done uh, I was going to say, to be honest, for me... Done well and should pay attention yeah. to are different things. Yeah, are, are different things. For me, I read Sinestro Core War. I thought that that was awesome. That was a great book, a great series. Um, I also liked... I like how Crisis on Infinite Earths worked. I liked... Um, I loved 52... But then when you started to get into Countdown to Final Crisis and then the four or five spinoffs of that, when you're dealing with Aftermath and all the things that spun off of that, when you start going into um, Final Crisis, Countdown to Final Crisis, uh, when you start getting into the Green Lantern or the whatever, the Lantern Core War that leads to Darkest Night and Brightest Day, I got to tell you, I barely made it through Darkest Night and I read about two issues of Brightest Day and then it just, it sat there. I haven't read it. I haven't even, I never even read Wednesday Comics. And I've got all of those, that, that event thing. Um, I, I, I was going to start reading Flashpoint. I've got the first issue here, and I've got the, the Road to Flashpoint, two issues of The Flash that are sitting here. I read the first page of uh, issue 11 of The Flash, and I said, you know what? I ain't going to be reading Flashpoint anytime soon if, if, if I have to read through these last two issues of The Flash to get to Flashpoint. So for you me... Don't. Uh, well, okay, then I'm just going to start with Flashpoint and go from there. But for me, yeah, there are a lot of event comics that I'll start, and very quickly, if they don't capture my attention like 52 did or, or you know some of those others, it's gone. I mean, I didn't make it through Secret Invasion on Marvel, and that was something I was interested in. I think, well, wasn't that eight issues? I think I made it to issue four or five mm-hmm. before I just lost interest in what was going on. 
I think we came back and read the final issue together. Huge gap. Yeah, yeah. I think we came back for the final issue, but it was just like, ugh. I, I, I don't like the events. I mean, I understand the reason from the publisher for doing it because it's a way to make a lot of money and but, get some new people, hopefully get some new people. But it is such a drain now to try to follow every little minuscule bit of the story. And some of it pops first, up and is, is interesting and then it just falls off the radar and is, is washed away, you know, six months later. So it's, first, yeah. can I say that I hate it when people say, I really like the Sinestro Corps War and it wasn't, a, it was, it was exactly the same damn thing. The only difference that Sinestro Corps War did well was, like of Age of Apocalypse, it was yeah. kind of you know, stuck in his area, but it That's still had like those one it. shots with Superman oh, and the one sure. shot with Ion. It had all the stuff. It had tie-ins. You saw things in, you know, Superman and Green Lantern. It was the same thing. The only difference was because of the nature and the placement of its cast, they were able to keep it from affecting, you know, all these other people. Right. Right. Black and that's what I liked about it. It was eh. well until the very end, really, where eventually Black they end up on earth. Blackest Night was well done up to a point. The point where Blackest Night came apart was when it was no longer the next big thing. Around issue seven or issue eight, Blackest Night was clearly leading into something else with these new guardians on Earth. Blackest Night, as it ended being about heroes fighting, you know, their dead loved ones and started being about how do we set up the next big thing Mm -hmm. came apart. All of these. Don't, they don't suffer so much for me from being bad or, you know, being inessential. It's that they all have a, an expiration date. They all have a timer on them. Mm-hmm. If you go and buy Blackest Night 1 through 8 right now today, a year and a half, two years later, very little of it is still relevant because they have immediately transitioned to the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And that was the last crossover. The last big crossover is no longer relevant because so much has changed in the DC universe in the past two years. Final Crisis might as well have been 15 years ago for all the good it's done. I mean, the only lasting effect that came out of Final Crisis has already been reversed. Bruce Wayne is back from the dead. Right. Now, let me ask you this. What if a company, and I know they tried to do this, wasn't it, with uh, House of M? (laughs) And maybe some other companies would say this. Let's just say that we're going to create. I'll I'll just make up this imaginary scenario. DC is having so much financial problems with Superman, with the Siegel and Schuster lawsuit. They already lost half the rights to it. They are on the verge of losing the other rights. What if they just say, kind of like whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, we're killing off Superman until we can get this situated and we will not have Superman because we're not making any money off of him because it's going to somebody else. We're not going to have Superman in our comics. And they just do away with Superman and they make it a permanent thing. For, let's say, five years. Okay. And then they come back and they reboot an all-new Superman. Do you think okay. people would put up with that? I mean, House of M was kind of that way, wasn't it? Let's give you an alternate reality and let's see how long we can make it stick. Before we ended, I don't it. House of so, M was no. They, they didn't take away any characters. House of right. M was Age of Apocalypse, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, it really was. And House of M was line wide to the point where Excalibur crossed over into House of M. Spider Man had House of M. Yeah, didn't. But know. then they like when you totally tweak House of the M, whole universe. Didn't they just change the whole universe in House of M? No, it it very much like Flashpoint. It's everything you know is wrong. Here's this new universe and find out where your favorite characters stand in it. Mm-hmm. But it was in yeah, it it had a time limit. It was intentional. Oh, did it have a time limit? Okay. Well, let's talk Flashpoint. Yeah. What yeah. happens if we don't it know was, what's going to happen at the end of Flashpoint? Well, what happens at the end of Flashpoint? What if they keep the universes as they've changed it? What if it just stays that way? They won't. I, it probably won't, but you know, I think well, what if they, you know, what if they keep it that way for five years? What if they keep it there for five years they or won't. two years? Twenty four issues. There well, aren't five years worth of stories in these characters. So it's all going to be undone in a few months. Five months from now, it'll yes. all be undone. Yes. 
And I'll tell you the reason why it's going to be undone is, is I can say it in one sentence, five words long. Bruce Wayne is dead in this reality. That's actually seven words. The end. It is limited and it, it will be undone. And the best we'll get is that maybe one of these alternate characters will come to the regular reality. I just, uh, uh, well, goes back to an argument I made a while ago. They should have just kept all this stuff on a separate Earth and made it their summer event in the end. But you don't think that they can, you don't think that they can, you know, well, first of all, if they want to keep, you know, the back in the um, early 90s when they were DC were doing all their summer annual tales, Wave Rider and all that stuff that was going on. um, Those were interesting. But, you know, they could, they've got this whole multiple universes that they can play in, and this is an Elseworlds or a multiple universe, an alternate universe tale. Make it, make it work in the alternate universe, and let's continue on with the rest of the books. But characters, well, readers have proven that alternate universe stories are inherently less, less... I guess, consumed because they feel like they're less important. Age of Apocalypse, quote unquote, happened. Whereas right. Days of Future Past was undone. Age mm-hmm. of Apocalypse counts because Age of Apocalypse and next month we're going back to the Age of Apocalypse, apparently. Wolverine and the X-Force are going to the Age yeah. of Apocalypse universe. United no more. It it happened in such a way that it affected the regular continuity. And I think that readers, to some degree, and I think percentage of readers, an alternate universe, an Elseworlds annual, if it's a story that doesn't matter, the existing status quo, it's less important and less likely to sell. Flashpoint is happening in the real DC universe, but Flashpoint is Flashpoint is like Spider-Man taking off his mask. It's an inherently limited concept, but if you if you're Paul Heyman about it, you as the five foot guy from Brooklyn, your world champion, but you push him right and you protect him and you put him in the right matches and you take these killer totic wonder woman who cuts the testicles off people and you put them in that right place then they can inform and strengthen the characters in their regular incarnation you know let's say you get to the end of this and wonder woman clearly remembers being castrating evil wonder woman killing everyone in the united kingdom that can affect Wonder Woman for a short time, sure, but can affect Wonder Woman as a character and can maybe take her places that she wouldn't normally go if she was just Adrian Palicki in short pants. Yeah. Yay. I don't know. Have you, Rodrigo, have you given up on mega events? Oh, God, yes. Um, <laughs> a long time ago. Um, really, it's more like there are certain events that I actually enjoy. I, I, I'm, you know... Probably the 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 thread there is if they are limited in their scope. For example, I liked Annihilation, mm-hmm. um, which really had very little bearing on the rest of the Marvel universe, even as it you know flowed through. I mean, the 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 good guys were able to stop the Annihilation wave before it got to Earth. Uh, I think, um, if I recall correctly. <laughs> Clearly, this is my favorite book because I've totally forgotten all about it. Um, but uh, you know the you get into these things where you have to follow all the books. And the worst part about it is that they're, they're going into these with no planning. You know, sometimes you have like an overarching author to these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, a lot of the times your editor in chief or, or somebody he appoints, but you know, as you're reading through it, it's like there are completely inessential pointless things that are just like, we need to get Spider-Man in on this. And more often, actually, we need to cram uh, Sinestro Core War into this issue of Blue Beetle. And let me tell you something. If you want to look at a great example of how of a completely pointless story, look at the black or look at the Sinestro Core War issue of Blue Beetle. Yeah, there is like nothing in it happens that has any bearing to Blue Beetle or to Sinestro, <laughs> Sinestro Core, Core. War. There is no yeah. point to that story. Yeah. yeah. 
and again, there's there's a level where I understand why these happen. I have not given up on big events simply because big events are going to be a method of storytelling. Mm -hmm. I am interested in seeing some of the stuff coming out of Flashpoint. I'm interested in seeing Secret 7. I'm interested in seeing S apostrophe H apostrophe A. Shazam! I'm interested in seeing what they're doing with it. And I'm picking up the Flashpoint series, you know, provisionally, mm -hmm. right. because I want to see if, it, if it's good. It's like Age of Apocalypse. If for my money, that, that's a pretty strong one. There's good stuff going on there. Cannot stand the Excalibur issues with uh, Nightcrawler. I don't really care for the Generation X issues where Colossus is an idiot. But overall, it's a strong thing. I wouldn't necessarily keep buying it every summer like, you know, Marvel wants me to. Even Infinity War. Infinity Gauntlet, the first Infinity War thing, was actually pretty good. There were points of it where I was just like, wow, this is, you know, Jim Starlin doing Jim starlin -y stuff, and it's awesome. And then, it, you know, there was Infinity War and Infinity Crusade and Infinity... Well, and Indiana. everything. Like, that's the other thing that just freaking kills them is that when they have a hit, they just have to go into the sequels. Yep. They so, keep going back to the well. Say what you want about Earth-X. Earth-X is a nice little box. And you can open it and say, oh, cool things are happening in here. Oh, well, I'll just put it away. But then when you get into Universe-X and Paradise-X and stuff mm -hmm. like that, it's just like, bah. Underpants-X. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this, because this might uh, have some bearing as we, we talk about events. Uh, I had just mentioned that as I was getting ready to read this Flashpoint number one, that I probably ought to read issues 11 and 12 of The Flash because they say right there on the cover, the road to Flashpoint. So obviously this must be you, you something important. don't there uh, in a uh, Hold on, hold on. So I open up issue 11 and I start reading and I instantly say, I have no idea what the F is going on here. This doesn't make sense. I'm not liking what I'm reading. And I don't care for the art. I don't think the story is being told very well. And maybe I'll go off and write a review about issue 11 or issue 12 saying, hey, um, you know, I, didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't care for the art, didn't care for the story, didn't make a lot of sense. And then somebody is going to pipe up and say, well, of course it doesn't make any sense. You didn't read the previous 10 issues, duh. And isn't that, Matthew, what you were talking about a little bit ago about this nerd on nerd hate? I mean... Oh, yeah. at, at at some point, at some point, we're going to have to pick up a book and start reading. And I mean, Flashpoint, there's nothing in here in Flashpoint that says why the universe has changed, right? Unless you read mm -hmm. that 12th issue or maybe that entire Flash run, and you know that Professor Zoom is behind everything and changing changing reality. Or maybe he's not in this. Who knows? But to come out and say, well, you know... Any of your thoughts on that issue are invalidated because you haven't read the previous issues is kind of stupid. Kind of a stupid it is, statement. It's, it's, it's counterproductive to the statement that the person is intending to make. And what they're saying is, you don't get it. People have a problem, and especially today, people have a problem in t making a, a difference between I don't like it and I don't get it. When I was reviewing Buffy, I hate the Buffy season six stuff. And every time it would come up, I would make a snotty remark about Buffy season six. And there was a particular person who would show up just to call me an idiot and say, I'm stupid because I didn't understand what Joss was doing in season six. Well, I understand it. I clearly understand it. He was making a metaphor that the magic is addictive like a drug I just don't like it. I don't care for it. It didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So if you say, you know, from a literary perspective, if we're looking at literary criticism, and this gives a lot more weight and a lot more seriousness than I think, you know, comic book reviews on the entire webs necessarily have, but we're looking at not just the book, but we're looking at a greater picture of the book. We're looking at its merit in an, an overall sense, in kind of a, right. a sociological right. sense. But mm -hmm. if you say, you know, Flash number 11, I didn't like it. I picked up Flash number 11. I didn't read Flash 1 through 10. I didn't understand what was going on. That is a valid criticism because you would think that the artists and the writers would want to have at least, you know, uh, the story so far or something. You know, 
to deviate just really quick, I honestly think that every comic book should devote inside front cover or the very first page to previously in. I think that would solve 10 million problems. You may proceed. Yeah, definitely. It would require somebody to pay attention to that stuff, though. Well, but yeah. Mm. Marvel you know, does it have quite to well. Have, have editors who edit. Marvel does it quite well. I jumped into Spider-Man big time. Now, granted, how often have I read Rodrigo, the real Marvel Universe Spider-Man? I believe Spider-Man big time. And, yes, uh, Spider-Man no one can big stop time. The juggernaut. Yes, no one can stop the Juggernaut and the Craven's Last Hunt and whatever we've read on this uh, read for this podcast. <laughs> anything, anything Matthew hands to you and says, read it. <laughs> yes, that's the extent of my Spider-Man knowledge. Okay, uh, so um, when I jump in, I'm not going. Well, this doesn't make any sense. I know the groundwork, but you know what? They also have in that front cover previously in Amazing Spider-Man, blah 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 blah, and it tells you everything you need to know, so I can go right in and I can start appreciating right away. Part of it is Dan Slott did tell a good story, but if I if I started reading it and going. Well, and if I went into reading Spider-Man and going, I don't understand why he's working at a at a research center. He's supposed to be a nerdy college kid taking pictures. This doesn't make sense. And then if someone came out and said, well, it's because you haven't read the previous 600 issues. Duh. Okay. You know, that would Stop be kind of that argument. <laughs> this is the fourth uh, time is... in as many weeks that you've made that argument. You do not have to read the previous 700 well, issues of this anything. Is, this, is my, this is my point, Matthew. This is a criticism that people have given us in the last, I don't know, month or month or so. Well, of course you guys don't understand what's going on in this book. You guys haven't read the previous seven issues. Mm, well, you shouldn't have we to don't read have the previous to. seven issues. I, I kind of, I think it was Stan Lee who said this at one point. I, mean, I think it was Stan Lee. Every issue is somebody's first issue. Right? Wasn't that Stan Lee that said that? I will. Uh, I think it was actually Julie Schwartz, but sure. Well, maybe who it was. I don't know who it was. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Oh, I'll argue against you. Um, let's say <laughs> that I pick up uh, that I'm hanging out at Matthew's house and I just pick something out at random out of his one of his long boxes. And I'm Mm -hmm. reading through it, and I'm reading through it, and I turn to him, and I say, Matthew, this is crap. And he's like, well, why do you think it's crap? I'm like, this guy with the fedora and the thing covering his mouth and the two guns, he's trying way too hard to be Batman. (laughs) I mean, don't the writers of Flip Flip, The Shadow, know that there's a Batman out there who basically does this thing, and he actually doesn't have any powers, which makes him cooler? Because this guy has dumb psychic powers, and Batman doesn't need them. Also, there aren't any boys in short pants in this, which we all know is a requirement for superheroes, right? What would Matthew's likely response be to that? Probably a Rodrigo, you ignorant slut. Exactly. I, I doubt he would. I doubt likely he would ridicule you. Likely a nonverbal slap directly to the back of my head. I, I doubt he would ridicule you. Uh, well, I, would think, probably I think Matthew it. specifically would ridicule me. But oh, yeah, wait, we're talking about Matthew. That's we right. Have. That's right. Matthew would specifically um, do that. But but I think it's a valid point. I do think it's a valid point. I think that if in your review you upfront say, by the way, I haven't read any of this. I'm approaching this as a first issue. Then mm-hmm. cool. I mean, that that right there is fine. But it's a valid argument to say if there are parts that you didn't get out of an 11 or out of a 12 issue arc jumping into issue number 10. Right. Then it's pretty safe to say that part of the reason for that is because you haven't read the previous issues. I think to a certain degree, it's a valid argument. You don't have to be a, well, Matthew did call me a slut earlier, so you don't have to be a dick about it. (laughs) (laughs) But to a certain degree, it's a valid point. That is why, you know, a lot of the time, like you'll notice I do a lot of first issues of a lot of comics. And that's because I don't keep up with anything. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to jump into Spider-Man 607. I'm not going to jump into whatever the crap's going on with Thor, especially now that mm-hmm. the movie's coming out. And they're mm-hmm. probably doing soft reboots of everything, including his actual boots. Um, <laughs> so, nice. you know, as a as a reviewer, I, I personally try to stay away from that stuff, partially because even personally, I feel that if I jump into the middle of something... I'm not going to give it a fair shake. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I well, feel but like that, that's true too, but go ahead, Matthew. 
if I jump into something, I feel like I'm getting away from my preconceived notions. Uh, the last thing that I re picked up was uh, an issue of Scar, Son of Hulk. I only know about him by, you know, inference from reading previews. It was a good issue. It was a strong issue, you know. But, again, I did the research to find out what happened in issue one and issue two. There's little to no reference to that in issue three. So I think it's a valid okay. criticism to say there's no reference to what happened in issue one or issue two, even though I may have read them. Or, right. you know, Google them, whatever it is. There are times when I don't want to read the first nine issues of something if I pick up number 10. And there is nothing wrong. There is nothing inherently incorrect about a criticism that starts with, I've never read this before. Here's my opinion. I think what it comes down to is that we are, and I am as guilty of this as anyone. In fact, I'm more guilty of it than anyone else on the panel of saying, well, you just didn't understand it because of what happened in Amazing Spider-Man number 160 in 1973. You know, there's there's an implied connotation of years of continuity, of endless battles of good versus evil. And to some degree, I think that if you come in to say Turnip Man number 275, and you say, well, why is Turnip Man using his turnip vision like this? This is stupid. I've never seen it before. And people are like, well, he's used his turnip vision like that for 25 years. You just haven't been around to see it. Mm. Both points of view are equally correct and equally valid right. in that right. they're both opinions and they're, you know, they're subjective by nature and essentially useless. But without opinions, you know, without five blind men, we'll never truly know what the elephant is like. Well, I just don't think that if someone says, hey, look, I've never read this before, but I'm giving it a chance. I didn't understand what was going on. And that probably is affecting at some point. I don't think you should crap all over that person. I don't think, Matthew, you should crap well, all over Rodrigo because he's never heard of the shadow. I mean, uh, granted, Rodrigo is kind of special in that case. <laughs> yeah. We know Rodrigo is it special. Is but to, uh, <laughs> it's a self-defeating thing to do, but it's also, you know. Here's here's the real deal for me is when I came to work for Major Spoilers Enterprises as employee number two or whatever I am, I put my opinions up in a public forum to where people can come in and say, you're stupid, you're an idiot. Does right, it make right. them right? Certainly not. Does it make it a defensible position? No. But you can kind of understand their point, even to oh, the point sure. where you're I can just understand like, it. You know, Shut up and shut up and go back to your Spice Girls fan fiction, which I would never say to somebody. I would certainly never say, get over yourself. I would never say things like, <laughs> please stop taking yourself and your continuity so bloody seriously. I would never say right. that to people. I might think it, but it, it, it's, it's defeating. And it's the reason why, as employees one, two, and six, you know, there's a hole between two and six, and there's a hole between six, and I believe our latest employee is one thirty-five, right? I don't know. <laughs> I lost track. That's yeah. kind of that is kind of awesome because uh, that means that I can actually ask Matthew who is number one. You are okay. number six. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you are number six. Shut up! Oh, let's not start that again, <laughs> Stephen. You are number two. In why does that Somebody bother you so much? You Why does that bother you so much? Because it's not because the creator came out and said no. <laughs> that is not what he's saying at all. God, it's such a good reading of it. I I personally I really like it. You know, it's it's one of those things where like as a fan, I'm just like, man. You know what because, it's like. You know, I told you my theory about it, right? What's that? It's, no, what? It's that it's number one is not like it's not a measure of control, it's a measure of importance. The whole mm -hmm. point of the village is to keep him there. Therefore, everybody, everybody who's there have, you know, maybe some of them are also prisoners, but the whole reason why everyone's there is for him. They are just there to keep number six in the island or whatever it is. The, um, village. the village. Therefore, he is number one <laughs> because it's not a matter of control. It's a matter of purpose. Everybody who's there is there for him. Number two exists exclusively to vex him. <laughs> See, I like that interpretation. And I don't have a problem with that interpretation. But it's kind of like, it, it, to me, it's kind of like 
going in and having watched Star Wars, saying to yourself, you know what I bet? I bet Obi-Wan Kenobi is actually Anakin Skywalker. Because he's all secretive and he lives in the desert and he makes a point of saying all, you know, to him, your father is, is gone now. He never says, oh, no, no, Darth Vader killed your father as a concept, you know, and I could see in that second film having Ben Kenobi come out and say, I am your father, mm-hmm. you know, because that would, that would make dramatic sense in certain ways if you read it in a certain way. But we know that that's not the case. You know, it based on the readings, though, based on my interpretation of Ben Kenobi's caginess, it could play. Luke's never seen his parents. He could be his his own grandpa, like Philip J. Fry. Sorry about that. I was trying to keep my entire house from melting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, if the creator has come out and said, no, 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 you guys are full of crap. He doesn't own the work. I mean, there, there's an implied, you know, there's a thing where we can come in and we can say, well, we don't like that. We're going to do something different. And someday we're going to work for Marvel or DC and fix this problem. And, and, and really that just leads to more problems, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. See, and that's, I think uh, earlier, and of course, we're, this is just a mess at this point. This, this oh, yeah, sure it is. But early, you know, earlier, Stephen, it's a weekend, you know, show. Stephen has, 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 uh, mentioned a couple times that, they brought back the multiverse and they're not doing anything with it. And it's pretty clear to me that the whole bringing back the multiverse, it was just a big screw you crisis on infinite earth. I want my DC universe back. Right, right, right. And then they proceed to, to write the stories that they want to write, which actually don't fit into (laughs) the old DC universe, you know? Yeah, we're going to have this heroic age and everybody's going to come back to being heroic and we're going to throw out the bad guys. And then Steve Rogers is going to make an underground black ops team. And so is uh, Slim Summers and all these guys who are, you know, stand up guys are going to turn out to be manipulative dicks. And it turns out that Nick Fury is not a two fisted James Bond spy master. He's an evil, evil, manipulative, you know, number two spy master. And everything you know is wrong, but it's a new heroic age. Yep. Well, Business you know what's you know what's wrong about that multiverse is when they brought the multiverse back, they specifically said, "Here's the universe where Batman Beyond takes place." Right? They showed it on panel. And then they've done ever since this Batman Beyond series has been going on, they've done everything in their power to try to bring it into regular continuity. <laughs> that's your problem. <laughs> No, that's, that's just one of the problems. Like, not the issue where they said, here's the Earth where the Justice Society lives, but also the Justice Society that you know is still here. And here's right. the Earth where that's the question also a the problem. Here. They're trying to take yeah. all but of the multiverse the and force it into the main. They're trying to force it yes, into the main it's the continuity. It's no, just it's like Captain America number one, and then Captain America number 50, and then Captain America number 600, <laughs> and next month, Captain America number one. A five-year-old can tell you that's not how numbers go. <laughs> they're giving us they, – they're doing whatever they want because they can have their cake and eat it too. There's 50,000 of us. We are on the hook. The first one was free, and now we're going to keep coming back for the goofballs because we're addicted. I don't know. I'm going to continue to read some good stuff if there's good stories, but – I think people have found out that I'll be more than happy to walk away. Rodrigo's the same way. He'll walk away from a book for years if it's not appealing. Oh, to yeah. Him. I, you know, I'm starting to get I, that I, way too. I got nothing. I got, I got a lot of love for the X-Men, but I haven't read an X-Men book since, uh, that one that had, uh, Namor grabbing Emma Frost's butt. And I, I was just reading that for Namor. <laughs> Rogue's the leader now, you know. Oh, she she was the leader for a while when she was wearing cool red sunglasses. That was another great that another great example of uh was it Morrison comes in, revamps the X-Men, right? And then everybody goes, uh, uh we need to have an old like a normal X-Men team too. So they make Rogue the leader <laughs> of that one, and they're having completely incompatible adventures. You can't have the new X-Men and whatever the crap red sunglasses X-Men were in the, the same universe. They don't fit. X-Men. Largely because one of them is being drawn by Frank quietly, and you can't have fetus people cross over into normal people. (laughs) 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 All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? 
<laughs> I think we've talked about everything, haven't we? Pretty much. It's always tomorrow's, fun. People are tomorrow's like, tomorrow's lottery numbers are three, six, nine, twelve, and fifteen. Oh gosh, I wish they were. I wish they were. But I ain't gonna happen. Don't wish. Wish in one hand and crap in the other, and then throw it at somebody <laughs> like a monkey. <laughs> will make you feel better. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks. We're going to get out of here. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. We're going to go record some critical hits in a little while. There's a new episode coming critical up in hit. just a little bit. And enjoy your holiday weekend. Please be safe, whatever you do. Or if you're listening in the future, after the holiday, look at what you missed. Download every day. <laughs> Download when the new issues arrive. You know, Support we should your totally do comic book store. What's that? We should sign off with the Jack Heather holiday sign off. What's if that? you drink, don't drive. Oh, yeah. If you drive, drive don't, don't, drink. don't drink. If you smoke, smoke anything, marijuana, just lay back and enjoy lay it. Lay down and enjoy it. <laughs> yep. A good one. All right. Rodrigo's just shaking his head. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't know right, what Jack Heather is. I don't know. What's, I don't what's know. going I on there, Speedy? All right, everybody, we will um, talk with you again real soon. Bad Dick's revision of a Superman. I could save I a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. We really need to beep the butt. What a major spoiler. Okay, Rodrigo, get ready to stun us with your lyrics. Three, two, one, go. If I could have Iceman powers like Iceman, then I could freeze the comic book store, and the comic book guy would probably die, but then I get to steal his comics. Why don't I just spoil it? Series with all that going on. Guess I need to rethink this plan. You better rethink that plan there, Rodrigo. my comics with such huge hands. Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Bob Stark Raven reads like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Whoa, 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 whoa! What a major spoiler! Major spoilers is copyright 2011.